With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, pet people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I am always thrilled that you've tuned in. I've invited two very special folks to the program this morning. First, Blythe Wheaton, the co-founder and executive director of the Pet Rescue Center, will be stopping by to tell everyone about a very exciting fundraiser and event she's planning for early October. And if you like pet events, you'll want to hear all about it. Later in the show, our friend from Animal Behavior College, Steve Applebaum, will be sharing some great information about acclimating dogs from shelters and rescues to new homes and surroundings in the smoothest way possible. Sometimes it does take a little extra effort to make everyone comfortable, so it's important to know what to do before you bring a new pet home. And before we get started, we need to pause for a very quick station message. But don't worry, we'll be right back with all the best pet-related information on the radio here on AM 1260, the home of the Pet Place Radio Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewlett, and with me now is Blythe Wheaton, the co-founder and executive director of the Pet Rescue Center. Welcome to the Pet Place, Blythe. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy that you could come back. We've talked about the Pet Rescue Center when you were first getting set up, and you've grown so much. And I just want to get you to remind all of our listeners what your organization is all about. Oh, thank you. I know I remember coming for an interview in the very beginning of our of our days. It's so. been a while, but you've had so many successes. <laughs> I know. That was four years ago. Yeah. Uh, well, the Pet Rescue Center, what we do is we try to work with communities of California, shelters and veterinarians, and other rescue groups to save as many lives of dogs and cats that are in the category of at risk of euthanasia due to you know varying causes one of which being overpopulation and overcrowding of our shelters. Mm -hmm. And we try to do this through kind of a multi-pronged effort, with it, which is, you know, of course, rescue and then adoption of our rescues. Uh, but we also do spay and neuter. We do education for all ages. We have education programs for youth wow. and for seniors. And then we also seem to have a lot of moms clubs and Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts that tour our facility, and we give education through that venue, and um, we just work cooperatively with everybody that's possibly involved in the effort so we can make sure that we're all moving forward and not taking a few steps back. Oh, definitely. Hey, where is the Pet Rescue Center? The 
Pet Rescue Center is in Mission Viejo. We, I am the co-founder, and my husband, Dr. Matthew Wheaton of Alicia Pet Care Center, is the other founder. Mm-hmm. And so he actually is generous enough to allow us a uh, temporary space inside Alicia Pet Care Center. So we occupy space and an office and, um, you know, his time inside Alicia Pet Care Center. Okay. And do you have... That's actually a sheltering facility, or is it a temporary place until you find a foster family? No, we utilize a few fosters for some really serious cases that that need that kind of atmosphere, but a lot of the cases that we take in sort of fall into the category of uh, at-risk medical case. Um, Not always, but we do tend to sort of specialize in that. We get a lot of very, very sick rescues or ones that have something that needs constant medical supervision. So my counterpart is Casey Oliver, and she is the director of operations at the facility. So she's a registered veterinary technician that will watch over them all day long. Oh, wow. And keep uh, tabs on any and every need that they may possibly have. Uh, For example, right now we have Norman, who is from Wilmington, and he is a junkyard dog in the most literal sense. He has severe irritable bowel disease and needs constant attention. So we're fortunate to be inside the veterinary facility because we have access to every and any diagnostic tool that we could possibly need for these at-risk animals. When these animals come in and they're in such serious shape, Mm -hmm. how do you get them ready for adoption? And it seems like some of them are going to need continuing care after they get adopted. Not really. I mean, really the only continuing care that we ever really run across that they need is when they have an allergy situation that, you know, sort of reached a a crescendo when they were in the shelter because they weren't being treated, you know. So there are a lot of skin diseases that are normal that every dog has. Uh, You know, we all have little teeny tiny bugs and parasites on us. (laughs) As much as we don't want to believe, we do. I know, we do, and dogs do, and that's normal. But when you're in a normal situation and... You know, you're, you have good hygiene and you have, you know, caring owners. Um, it's, it's all kept under control. But when you're in a bad situation, like a shelter or you're a stray animal, I mean, not a person, um, <laughs> um, you know, it just it tends to get un, uncontrolled. And, um, you know, and those are the situations that need medical intervention in the beginning, but long term they get resolved. And with just good diet and with good, you know, flea care and heartworm care, mm-hmm. um, those are all under control. So really it's, it's just a critical time after we get an animal uh, that we need to really sort of act aggressively. And from the moment the animals come to us from whatever arena that they come from, whether it be a shelter or it be through another rescue group that sort of we work cooperatively with to get an animal that may have been partnered with an animal they rescue. Mm-hmm. Um, we've taken relinquishments, uh, certain situations like military deployment, foreclosure, and in a, whatever venue that an animal comes to us from, we immediately medically assess them. We immediately uh, put them in isolation. We basically give them a full workup from the first moment and, you know, to sort of use that as our jumping off point and, you know, the animal goes from there and just hopefully will constantly improve and 
I see. It usually resolves itself within the first few weeks, whatever the situation is, and okay. um, at that point we can start putting them out for adoption. Wow. Yeah. And how do you hear about the special needs animals from the shelters? Well, you know, like you said, we talked in the very beginning four years ago, and we started putting out the word of who we were and trying to create partnerships with our mission that we weren't looking to sort of work on our own and just have our own um, you know, mission that we wanted to work on. We wanted to improve the system where we could all work together cooperatively. And because of that, I just think that we've gotten a reputation for being open to taking on these kinds of cases. So the um, shelters will call you and they'll say, we yeah. have a dog, we're not going to be able to treat it, which means we'll probably have to euthanize it. Yeah. Will you come get it? Exactly. Um, that or a rescue group says, you know, we were at the shelter, we saw this case, please, will you step in if you can? And we try to step in as much as we can. It sounds like your rescue organization probably has some high operating costs, <laughs> given that you're yeah. taking care of these high-maintenance high type of animals. How are you raising funds? Well, um, that is the hardest thing, um, you know, because what we're doing is highly emotional, so it's, it's really hard to say no, um, mm -hmm. but the finances are the only thing that really holds us back. Um, so every and any private donation, um, business donation, anyone that believes in our cause is, is welcome to donate. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have um, a website where they could yes, donate directly? We accept online donations through our website at thepetrescuecenter.org. So it has the word the in exactly. the address, thepetrescuecenter.org. Yes, okay. and we also can accept checks mailed to our facility, which I'm happy to tell you the address. Sure. It's 20, let's see, 25800 Geronimo Road, Suite 100, Mission Viejo, California, 92692. And that's probably on the website also in case yes. anybody didn't get that. Yes. But Any do donation that we receive is 100% for the care of our animals. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and all of our animals generally stay with us for about 40 days. And if they are an average animal that doesn't have, you know, an extreme medical situation, their average cost is about $20 a day. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, That's quite something. I, I, you know, I think about all the animals that you guys have helped in the years that you've been in operation. And I, I mean, I can't even do the math in my head. <laughs> well, we've had we've had 374 um, successful cases and adoptions. That's wonderful, and they yeah. average all about 40 days. So. Wow, that's a lot so of <laughs> a lot of fun. But you yeah. have some fun fundraisers, and I know that you've been planning a real big one. Can you let us in on uh, what's yes. going on? I'm so excited about our next fundraiser, and I really hope that we can have a huge turnout. So everybody, please come. Uh, it's October seventh. At it's a Friday, October seventh, at seven degrees in Laguna Beach. I don't Is know. that a restaurant? It's actually a gallery art space. Oh, okay. They sort of market themselves as a high-end media gallery space because it's a large venue. We can take a lot of people and we can really utilize all of their media to show them what we do through um, 
you know, video and stuff. So it will be a great opportunity for people to learn about us, and we'll also have some of our animals there in the beginning mm-hmm. to let people meet and greet with some of our rescues. But it's going to be a really rocking good time. Um, we're gonna ha- we have had um, some wine donated to us from a wonderful winery in uh, Healdsburg, Forest Winery. We have had all, almost all of our food donated for us. We have a photo booth, a caricature artist, a great band called the Boogaloo Assassins. <laughs> <laughs> They're a real high-energy fun. Um, I try and describe it as swingers meets. Latin. I think that's that's the best way to describe it. It's fun and upbeat, and it's going to be a great dancing good time. And it's basically just an opportunity for people to come and learn about us and bid on some of our silent auction items. We'll have some amazing live auction items as well. And um, what is the what is the admission cost for coming? Tickets are a hundred dollars. Okay. And how can you get your tickets? Online, we have a website called providingshelter.org. And you can order directly from that website. You can buy them directly through that website. We will not give out actual paper tickets because we're trying to be environmentally friendly. We're doing a list, and so once you buy a ticket, your name will be added to our list. We also are still accepting family sponsorships, and those levels are also on the website. Wow, wonderful. And how long is the event running? What time does it start? What time does it finish up? Well, it's October 7th. Mm -hmm. It starts at 7 p.m., and it goes until 11 p.m. And it sounds like it's going to be a blast. Blythe, I'm a big fan of your organization. And all the great work you've been doing with homeless pets for a number of years now, and I'm happy you were able to stop by today and talk about it all. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to the next time we get to talk. Okay. It is time now for a quick message from the station, but don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment with Steve Applebaum from Animal Behavior College and his tips for bringing a shelter or a rescue dog home. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm very happy to say that Steve Applebaum from Animal Behavior College has made a return trip to the Pet Place. So welcome, Steve. I'm so glad you could come back again. Oh, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. Well, I know that you are an animal trainer at the Animal Behavior College, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit because one of our main focuses here at the Pet Place is to get animals from shelters and rescues into homes. And I do know that probably there is a significant number of animals that get returned back to shelters and rescues within the first week or so because people feel it's not working out. And I think if they had a few more tools, a little more understanding of animals, that we could probably not see that sad statistic continue. So that's why I've invited you on the show today to to get you to give some tips on how you can introduce a shelter dog or a rescue dog into the home. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm glad because I I completely agree. Uh, there's no question about the fact that if you, if a, a pet parent is better informed when they bring a dog home, they're going to less likely have problems, and it'll it'll just be an easier transition all the way. I think a lot of people look at a dog and they expect it to be perfect or like their old dog was, right. and they forget 
you know, that, you know, 15 years ago when they first got their previous dog, there was a little bit of a learning curve and some training involved, and they didn't have that perfect dog yet. It took yeah. a little time and patience. No, that's absolutely right. And I think it's all, that's also exacerbated when people bring home dogs that are older. You know, a lot of times when you get a dog from the shelter, it's not a, a, an eight-week-old puppy. Mm-hmm. That could be a six-month-old puppy. It could be a year or two or, or, or older. I just uh, rescued a basset hound that was four. Oh, wow. And uh, I went through the same thing that I have been counseling pet owners to do for years, which is really understand that it, it is a learning curve, and it's also a learning curve for the dog. I mean, the dog may have been in the shelter for weeks, possibly months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know exactly what the dog's previous training was. Mm-hmm. And so the best thing to do is to really start by putting the dog on a schedule. I mean, I mean, and it's funny because when I brought my dog home, I forgot this. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and I brought this dog in, and the dog ran around the house, went upstairs, and peed in my bedroom. Oh, no. <laughs> I, like, I thought to myself, okay, so what did, not what, what did the dog do wrong? What did you do wrong? Uh-huh. You know, and I thought about it. I thought, you know, the dog's been in this kennel for, uh, you know, the better part of seven months. Mm-hmm. And uh, really what I need to do is put the dog on a housebreaking regimen. And so that's what I did. And in, in her case, uh, I can find her at night and uh, took her out on a very regular basis. Now, I was fortunate in that I have an office in my home, and so I had the ability to do that a little bit more easily than some people would. So it, the- it might be good then to, if you are going to adopt a dog, is to plan it around maybe some vacation time off from work or a long weekend or something where you could be home for a while and get yes. get the schedule started. Yeah, absolutely. That that will make life much easier. Okay. Because consistency, consistency is going to be critical. It's also important that when you adopt a dog, you have all family members that can realistically take part in this on the same page. Okay. So that you don't have people walking, working at cross purposes with Oh, I know, I know that. That's a big problem in my house, mostly with uh, giving treats and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows we're trying to keep our dogs fit and healthy, and, and they're only supposed to get a certain amount of treats. Right. And uh, and nobody seems to keep track of who gave treats when, and then they end up getting way more treats than they're supposed yes. to. And yeah. then we have these chubby little dogs. Right, who always look at you with starving <laughs> eyes no matter how much they weigh. That's right. Um, you know, but <laughs> mentioning treats also... Uh, brings up another point, which is it's important to find out what the shelter was feeding the dog. Okay. Because you'll want to ideally take a little of that food home. Sometimes the shelters will give you a little bit to take home, or you need to go out and get that same food. Um, Now, this can be difficult for some people because some people have very strong opinions on what they do and don't want to feed their dogs. Mm -hmm. That's all fine and good, but you want to start off feeding the dog what he or she is used to, and then if you want to make a dietary change, do it over a period of several weeks. Okay. Otherwise, if you just go from one food to the other, you might find yourself with a very um, sick or possibly a dog with diarrhea, and that makes the whole process much more difficult, not just for you, but obviously for the dog oh, as well. Oh, sure, right, because if you're house training and the dog is feeling sick in any way, exactly. I mean, if you got to go, you got to go. <laughs> and that's not good. No, no it's defi- it is definitely not good. So the first, yeah, first order of business, uh, aside from making more time, as you suggested, uh, make sure the dog is on, this con- on a consistent diet. Make sure the dog is on some sort of a housebreaking regimen. Now, that could mean something as simple as taking the dog out every couple of hours, making sure you're there to praise the dog when the dog goes to the bathroom in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
uh, uh, rationing food and water, and, and that sounds perhaps a little more draconian than I mean it to. In other words, putting the dog on a set feeding and watering schedule. Okay. You know, you, people that leave the dog uh, free, feed, free food all the time or give the dog water all through the night and then come uh, down in the morning and find the dog has had accidents might be able to deal with this challenge if they simply took the food up, you know, fed at 6 or 7 or 8 o'clock at night and took the water up maybe an hour or so before bedtime. That makes sense. I know that some dogs from shelters and rescues, because they've been abandoned by a previous family or maybe a couple families, I know some dogs get abandoned all the time. It's amazing how many dogs are in and out of shelters because people give up on them. Um, So they might have feelings of abandonment, which could lead to separation anxiety and problem behaviors, barking, digging, destructive behaviors. How can people address those in a shelter dog who might be emotionally fragile? You know, the, the first thing to understand is, is that it's, it's, it's an acclimation process. The, the dog, I mean, my, again, I mean, I, I can use my own example. Um, my dog followed me around pretty much like a shadow for the first two weeks. <laughs> okay. Um, and this is very, very normal for some shelter dogs. The thing to do is to understand where it might be coming from um, and to not spend every waking moment petting the dog just because the dog is there, mm-hmm. which is not to suggest, by the way, that you shouldn't give the dog lots of love and affection because clearly that's one of the reasons why most people would get a dog. Sure. But, you know, to understand that if you create a scenario in which the dog has the ability to pretty much demand praise anytime she wants, that sometimes almost enables um, this kind of dependency behavior, which I know sounds weird to some people. But all I'm really suggesting is, is that you just be conscious if the dog is following you around and obviously very attached to you, um, not to pet the dog 24-7. Okay. You know, maybe some of the time when the dog comes up to you and wants to be uh, affectionate, just go about your business. Let the dog get used to the idea that just because she's by you doesn't mean that you're going to spend, uh, you know, instantly pay attention to her. Um, and if you do that, you'll find that after a while, most dogs will start to become a little bit less dependent. Okay. Um, and it's really just a balance. And everybody, you know, has different levels of comfort. Some people like their dogs to really be connected to them. Other people are more comfortable with dogs that are perhaps a little bit more independent. So a lot of it has to do with what, what, what you're going to be used to and what you're going to desire. Okay. But just remember that, uh, you know, if you want a dog that's going to be around you all the time, but this is on weekends and then during the week you're going to work, recognize that that might cause some anxiety for the dog. So maybe you should practice coming and going during those initial days so that your dog learns that you always come back and it's really no big deal. You know, you can you can do that, although uh, uh, an even better suggestion is to avoid emotional homecomings and departures in the first place. You know, a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll go, they'll go through the motions of departure, and everybody's, everybody's uh, uh, pattern is a little bit different, and people's patterns vary from day to day, but some things are pretty consistent. And so after a while, the dog knows when you engage in certain behaviors that you're likely to leave. Mm-hmm. This creates anxiety on the part of the dog, which many people then react to by uh, petting the dog, giving the dog a cookie, letting the dog know, oh, I'll be back, sweetie. I'll tell you, let me give you a five-minute belly rub. 
And while their hearts are in the right place, it actually can create more anxiety. Okay, so, so you make it as nonchalant as possible. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And the same thing comes goes with uh, with with um, homecomings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best thing to do is not, is not to give the dog a, a 15 minute frenzied greeting. It's just to come in and again, as nonchalantly as possible, say hi. Now, if you find that you're starting to run into separation anxiety behaviors, neighbors are complaining about the barking or or you're finding, uh, you know, destructive behavior that only seems to occur when you're not around, mm-hmm. um, you know, then you can talk about uh, practicing departures because you're absolutely right. If the dog associates certain behaviors with your departure and you then leave and the dog, could, after a while, associates that whole process negatively, it stands to reason that if you went through the process of leaving and then didn't leave, or left for a very brief period of time, maybe 20 or 30 seconds, and then came back. Mm-hmm. After a while, the dog would make less of a negative association with the antecedents of departure. Mm-hmm. Separation anxiety can be a very complex behavior to deal with. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes it's misdiagnosed. Um, a lot of times when dogs engage in destructive behavior, even barking behavior when the, when the owners aren't around, the belief is that it's separation anxiety, but it might just be boredom. So there, 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 there are things you need to do in order to ascertain that it is indeed separation anxiety. And a lot of it depends on what the dog is doing. You know, okay. for example, if the dog is chewing, you need to learn how to address that. If the dog is digging, you need to learn how to address that. And after you go through those processes, if the dog still engages in the behavior, then you, then you can really seriously look at separation anxiety. Okay. So you might want to look into some of the interactive toys that are available so that your dog has something to do while you're away. Absolutely. If you're dealing with boredom, that's a very key point. Okay. Um, interactive toys, uh, you know, there are a ton of them on the market. Uh, you know, we all have our favorites. I'm, I'm partial to Kongs. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are there are literally dozens. and do- with, with a Kong, though, you need to stuff it with uh, peanut butter or, <laughs> or you know, things like that. But um, but, the, yeah, there are literally dozens of uh, fantastic interactive toys that can uh, keep the dog occupied for hours, the premise being that if the dog spends 60% more of her time chewing or playing with the right toy, mm-hmm. she'll spend 60% or more of her time uh, not chewing on your house. That's or right. Your fence That's or right. Steve, it is so interesting talking to you, and you have so many great tips. So I want to thank you again for spending a little time with us this morning, and we'll get you back again to uh, talk some more training later. It is always a pleasure speaking with somebody that understands dogs and loves them. Oh, thank you. We need to take one last break, but we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on AM 1260. Don't go away. Back on the Pet Place Radio Show, I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. The Seal Beach Animal Care Center is getting set for its 16th annual Wagon Walk for the Animals with Grand Marshal and very good friend of the Pet Place, Justin Rudd. The event features a one-mile walk or run, a dog costume contest with great prizes, a dog and owner look-alike contest, community expo with entertainment, live music, t-shirts for all participants, a delicious barbecue, a silent auction and opportunity drawing, and so much more. To register for this very worthwhile event, visit www.sbacc.org events. 
It's lots of fun, so mark your calendar for Saturday, October 1st with all the festivities beginning at 9 a.m. Okay, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on AM 1260. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.